turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, this morning, yesterday we were in uh, several different passages. Today we'll be in just one verse. And I want to communicate this morning a simple truth. We're coming now, as, as, as uh, uh, Brother Stephen's, Pastor Zempel there said, we're, we're now kind of in that middle, middle point. And I want to give you a truth this morning, not that's just going to help you to coast to the end of the year, but something that's going to carry you through life. And uh, I just want to throw this out there to all the, the preacher fellows. Where are my homiletics guys? Homiletics guys, okay. When you go to a church or something, and maybe you're going to go to a church over spring break or, or something, maybe you're going to get asked to preach, maybe you, you come to a church, ask God to just help you simply convey a simple truth that God, God has given to you. Don't look to, to present something fancy or fancy illustration. You don't need any of that. You just need God to have a simple truth that he's communicated to your heart. So just, I don't know, whatever, for that, for whatever that, that's worth, okay? I want to I help you guys out. Ask God to give you something simple. Often throughout the book of John, uh, we find Jesus using outward occurrences to teach spiritual lessons about who he is and who the Father is. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus using the outward uh, picture of a well and water to communicate the spiritual truth to a Samaritan woman that he is the living water that she needs. Uh, later on in John chapter 6, he's talking to a group of Jews that in, in, they had just uh, a, a couple days previously experienced being fed by Jesus the, with, the, with the loaves and the fishes. And he uses that picture to then again teach them that they don't need to keep coming to him and getting fed physically. What they need is the bread of life. They need the bread of life. That was their only hope of, of their need being satisfied fully. And now we come to John chapter 8. And we find Jesus again using an outward picture in the temple to bring people closer to an understanding of who he is. I want you to imagine with me that you're in this moment, in this moment of, of John chapter 7 and, and John chapter 8. And Jesus has absolutely been, he, 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 he's been taken by these people, and, and they've been trying to, trying to lay, lay their hands on him for, for several times in chapter 7. Three times, three specific occurrences in chapter 7, they try to lay their hands on him. And Jesus has been preaching. He's preaching uh, at the last day of the Feast uh, of Tabernacles, and he, he goes on to say in verse 37 of chapter 7, he, he declares, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he declares this, and all of the Jews are thinking to themselves. Some of them say, well, This has got to be a prophet. This has, to, this has to be a prophet. Others are saying, well, this, oh, this, this, is, this is the Christ. This is the one we've been waiting for. And others say, ah, this can't be Christ. He's, he's out of Galilee, and nothing comes out of Galilee that is good, obviously. And so they go on, and they're in division. And we find as they, as they keep discussing among themselves, they try to lay their hands on him again. And Jesus, he leaves, he leaves their midst unharmed because it wasn't his hour to go yet. And at the end of chapter 7, we find that every single person goes to their own house. And it connects very closely to the beginning of chapter 8, where it says that Jesus then went into the Mount of Olives. 
I don't know what Jesus did in that moment. I would like to think that Jesus prayed. Many times when we find Jesus going into a mountain, he's going there to pray. And the, the action of chapter 8 and verse 2, it says that he, rose, he, he, he got up early in the morning and came back to that temple. That shows me that Jesus spent some time praying for those people. You don't just get up early in the morning and go back to a temple where you were almost thrust out of three times the day previous. That shows us Jesus' heart for these people. Jesus' extreme love for these people. And can I just put it to you this way this morning? It shows God's heart towards you. It, got, it shows God's heart. If God was so passionate about pursuing these people, then what is God's heart for you as a student this morning? God's heart is pursuing you. God's heart is passionate about getting across truth to you. And not just so that you know it in your head. It's so that you experience it on a day-to-day -day basis. And so here we find Jesus early in the morning, verse 2, he came to the temple in the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. How many of you are part of a Discovery Bible study? Almost every, I'd say almost every one of you. Can you imagine Jesus sitting down, and he's the leader of your Discovery Bible study? Wouldn't that be amazing? Jesus sitting down, and he's teaching these people that are sitting around him that have come to hear the word, and Jesus opens up the scriptures to them. I would love to be in a, G, in a Discovery Bible study taught by Jesus. And then all of a sudden, through the doors, come the Pharisees, and the Bible tells us that they, t they have taken this lady that's caught in the very act of adultery, and they set her right in the midst of this Discovery Bible study. Can you imagine that? And they try to tell her, uh, they try to tell Jesus why she, should, why she should be condemned. And Jesus tells them, I didn't come to condemn. I came to fulfill the law that you could never fulfill. I came to forgive. And this should have been absolutely wonderful news to these Pharisees. But it wasn't wonderful. Because they had a high view of how they could keep the law. But when confronted with how they, good they could keep the law, they ended up leaving one by one. None of them could cast a stone at Jesus. One by one, eldest to youngest, they all leave and go back to where they came from. And now is left Jesus and this woman and this Bible study group. And Jesus there shows his forgiveness to her. And he shows them how much his love is to, 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 to completely clean her and make her whole again of her broken life that she had experienced. And it was after this statement that we come to our text for this morning, John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, God's Light in Everyday Life. Let's pray. Father, would you take your word this morning, and would you powerfully and direct it, Lord, to each one of, of our spirits, or would you 
change us from the inside out. Lord, help us. Lord, would you, would you change our thinking, Lord, so that we can live differently this week. Lord, we need to not just know that you can do miracles in our everyday life. Lord, we need to know why we're not experiencing that. And Lord, we need to know practically how to experience that. Lord, would you make us desperate for you this morning. And Lord, in the heart of each student here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would powerfully pursue them. Lord, I know you are. I know that's, I know that's what your love does. Lord, your love did that to me. Lord, would you do that in each heart here this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, here in this moment, is teaching these would-be disciples. These aren't, these aren't saved yet. But we, we also see some Pharisees come in later, because in verse 13 and following, we see them asking questions, and, and we see that Jesus has changed location slightly. In verse 20, it says that Jesus is speaking these words from the treasury of the temple. And as I was reading that, I was curious, why is Jesus speaking here? And details of location in the Bible, Jesus often used to teach people lessons about the Father about himself, and about the Holy Spirit that was to come. In the treasury of the Jewish temple, where light became the theme of Jesus speaking, stood two colossal golden candlesticks. And on those candlesticks held uh, several lamps that, that were lit after each evening sacrifice. And it is here in the treasury that Jesus uses this outward example, just as he did with the water and the bread, to teach something about who he was. I am the light of the world. The simple truth that I want us to see here this morning is that Jesus is the light of the world, but that he's not just the light for the monumental dark valleys or the monumental traumatic experiences of life. I want us to see the simple truth that God's light is for everyday life. We will look at more of that in just a second, but let's look first at his, his first statement. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus is a contrast to what the world is. Now, it's not hard to understand that the world is full of darkness. There's full of, of dark things. But that's, even, the, even the Pharisees would have, would have agreed with him if, he, if, he, if that's what he was saying. But Jesus wasn't saying that. He's saying that the world itself, darkness, I am the contrast. I am the light of the world. If, if you want light, you need to be coming to me. And it's hard for us to realize, uh, sorry, it's not hard for us to realize that this world needs light. I was going to preach this message. I'm preaching through the book of John on Sunday mornings. And I was getting ready to preach this message. And I pulled in uh, to, to uh, the church there, or I was on my way to church uh, on Saturday night, just to take an hour and pray and, and look over the message again. And uh, I turned on the radio for the four minutes that I would drive to church there. And I was trying to catch some news, and uh, I caught uh, just the, just the last, last portion of a, of a news segment with two stories there. And one was about a neo-Nazi group that had attacked an Israeli student. And the other story was about a mother who had murdered her one-year-old child. And I turn that off. And I don't know if you've ever had those kind of moments where your heart just like jumps off a limb and lands in the pit of your stomach. And that's what mine did in that moment. And I thought to myself, how disgusting has this world become? 
And I'm going to tell you, Jesus is not surprised by that. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm what's needed here. I'm the light that can bring uh, salvation to this dark world. Secondly, Jesus makes a statement then. He says, he that follows me will not walk in darkness. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Now these two, this statement has two parts in it, and the second part is very much dependent on the first. So let's take time understanding what this first part means. What does it mean when Christ says, he that followeth me? Okay, what it's not talking about is someone that just believes that God exists. Okay, so we can understand that. Someone that just knows that, believes that God exists is not a follower of, of Christ. Someone, it's what it's not talking about, is someone that has trusted Christ as his Savior. Do you realize that there are people in this room, I'm talking to a group of, of individuals who have trusted Christ as Savior, and today you are doing the exact same thing that an unbeliever is doing. You're walking in darkness. There are many a Christian young person that when not following Jesus Christ are doing the exact same thing unbelievers are doing. In the Bible, there are many examples that Jesus gives us of people that were true followers of him and others that were not. For example, the disciples uh, followed by dropping their nets. In Mark chapter 1, and verse 18, it says, And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. I mentioned yesterday a little bit about, about my uh, experience in dropping my nets and how I cherished my dreams, my ambitions were basketball and traveling the world. Uh, Pastor Van Gelderen alluded to it a little bit, but I, I, at the age of, it really started when I was age 12, and I would meet with my Sunday school teacher uh, every Monday night, and God really worked in my heart at that point, and he called me to preach. I read a book called I Must Tell, and just what God could do with a man that was surrendered to him. And I said, I said, God, if you'll call me, I will preach. And he did. And I knew that. I knew as, as much as you're sitting in this room right now, I knew God had called me to preach. And it was shortly after that that Satan attacked. And just some things had happened in my, in my parents' ma- uh, marriage. And, I, and that caused me to get bitter. So bitter that every single night I would go out to the, to the back alley and I would shoot basket after basket after basket until everyone was in bed, and then I would finally go in and cry myself to sleep because I was so bitter at God and bitter at him for allowing this to happen in my life and in my parents' marriage. Well, time went on, and as I got sucked further into just the video game realm and and other things that were were eating away the life that God had given to me, um, what happened was my parents' marriage got better. And I got more angry because now I didn't have anything to, to justify my sin. And it was when, uh, 16 years old, when I took a trip to New Mexico, I wanted to get away from everything. It was going to be my first tri- uh, trip outside of Wisconsin, my first big you know, experience on a, youth, on a youth trip. And we went to New Mexico, and it was there on the backside of the desert, literally, as, as we were in a, in a cabin training to go out and do some ministry in the Navajo region there, that uh, fellow by the name of Jake Allen, maybe you know him. 
he came up to me and he said, hey, he said, I know something's wrong. I know you need, I, I know there's things in your life that you need. You don't need to tell them to me. You just need to tell them to God and you need to get them right with your parents. And he was blunt with me. And he's like, here's my cell phone. I'll see you inside. And he left his cell phone unlocked right there sitting next to me on the, on the front porch. And it was in that moment, <laughs> I said, I want you. I want you. And I picked up that phone. I could have just left it. I could have told him a lie. But I didn't. I said, God, I want you. In that moment, I called home. I got things right. And God mightily used my life that week. God mightily used me. And there were several Navajo kids as I was preaching. I knew, man, this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to have God's, God's hand back on my life. I'd never want to leave it. And that was, that was probably the turning point in my life. That was what, that's what dropping your nets look like. That's what dropping your nets look like. And follow Jesus. And I will tell you, there is nothing, nothing better than that. A second example would be Judas Iscariot, someone who seemed to be a follower of Jesus. To everyone who looked around at him, he was, he, he was a follower of Jesus, but he was a follower of personal gain. John chapter 12 tells us why uh, Judas is speaking in verse 5 and 6. Why was this not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. We spoke yesterday about uh, the three Hebrew children, Daniel chapter 3. Those were followers that, that were going to follow God no matter what anybody else thought. John Mark, when we look at in, the, in his journeys with Paul, followed until things got hard or until it was inconvenient. Thankfully, at the end of his life, Paul was able to look back at him and say, as, as he followed the Lord, as he, as he came through those things and, and he was conquered by love, as he was able to look at John Mark and say, Man, I want that guy here. He's profitable for me, to me for the ministry. And we see the rich young ruler who could not follow because he had a heart that followed after possessions. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, reads, And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He that saith, he saith unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, all these things I have kept up from my youth. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He couldn't follow Jesus because he had a heart that followed after possessions, not Jesus. So then what is following Christ? Why does it seem so complicated? And I think oftentimes we can, we can overcomplicate things, okay? We understand what it is to follow someone. All right, I'm going to use Sam here. Sam, I met him at lunch yesterday. 
Sam, why don't you stand up for me? And I'm just going to simply ask you, follow me, okay? That was simple enough, wasn't it? All right, thank you. You can have a seat. <laughs> All right? We know what it is to follow. We, we know what it is to, 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 to lead and to, and, to, and, to, and to have someone follow us. But when you follow someone, certain things take place in your life. So I'm going to ask you to imagine with me, uh, imagine with me you were going to follow me maybe in your own vehicle and you were going to go to Lambeau Field in Green Bay, okay? All right? Some of, most of you shouldn't know where that is, okay? Some of you do. I don't think you'd have any reason to go there. They're not that great, okay? <clears throat> but let's pretend you have no idea where it is, Okay? In, in following me, you have, there are certain aspects in your life that have to come to fruition. First, you have to realize that you don't know the way. Okay, you have to realize you don't know the way. Secondly, you have to realize that I do know the way and that you're following me and that you need to stay and you need to change lanes when I change lanes and all of that. You realize that I do know the way. And then thirdly, realizing that you need to have simple trust that I can lead us in the way get us to our destination. When Christ says, he that followeth me, he is implying that you don't know the way, that he is the way, and that he knows the way quite well. And that simple trust is what it takes to be led in that way. Realizing that you don't know the way, he knows the way, and that it's going to take the simple trust. I need to just follow, just as Sam was just following me. It's simple trust is what it's going to take to be led in that way. But there's a second part to this statement that Jesus makes. He says, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll never walk through a dark valley, a difficult time. That doesn't mean that you won't see darkness. It doesn't mean that you won't sense darkness around you. It just means that you won't be stepping in darkness. Jesus is not going to allow you to step in darkness. One who's following him is always going to be where the light is, is always going to be walking in the light. When I was a junior higher, as junior high boys like to to do this, I was at Camp Joy, and we were going to take a trip to a screenhouse one of those nights. We're going to spend overnight in a screenhouse telling ghost stories making marshmallows, all of those fun different things that junior high boys like to do. And uh, we had our counselor, our fearless counselor, and uh, the, the, the morning of, he comes to breakfast with us, and he had spent some days kind of going through the trails, and he came back and he had teeth marks on his, on his ankle, and he had blood coming, uh, just dried blood around it. He said, what happened? I got attacked by a coyote. And I'm telling you guys, I strangled that coyote. And so as junior high boys, we're like, wow, that's our counselor. And, and uh, I tell you what, I mean, we weren't afraid that night going up to the bunkhouse because we're like, man, we got our counselor here. He can take care of any coyotes. We had an ex-military guy, a preacher with us, and he looked super buff. I'm like, man, if there's any bears out there, he'll take care of them. Okay? But then my friend, he had... He had a dollar store flashlight that he had brought along with him. And it was one of those like dinky uh, dollar store flashlights that you don't think is going to do much. And then, bam, there's, the, like, there's a lot of light coming from that thing. And I said, I'm staying with you. And if, uh, I don't want to be tripping over anything in these woods. 
and I was going to stay right where the flashlight was, and we made it to our destination safely, and we didn't get eaten by bears. The end. All right? <laughs> but I'm telling you, Jesus is greater than any flashlight. Jesus is He's the light that we need to not walk in those dark places. He's the light that we need. That when we're following him, he, he says, uh, you're not going to walk in darkness. You're not going to walk in darkness. It's a promise that he makes to us as his children. He's talking to this, this Discovery Bible study group, as it were, and he's saying, if you're going to follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness. If you make the choice to, to accept me as, as your promised Messiah, as the Savior of the world, the Lamb that's going to be slain for you, you're not going to walk in darkness. And now this darkness, and just it's 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 not just like walking through a fog. I was talking with Sam yesterday. Uh, it's 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 much different than a Greek fog. Okay, it's it's not that's not what we're talking about this morning. How many of you have experienced a Greek fog? Okay, all right. So uh, you understand that. All right, that's that. Uh, do not go to Doctor Paul and say, Doctor Paul, Mister Himes, I. Pastor said we shouldn't be walking in darkness. I am in a complete fog. I need less homework. It will not work, okay? That's not what we're talking about. He might give you more homework if you try that. So I suggest you try a different route. <clears throat> um, getting, back to the, getting back to where the flashlight is. This is walking in darkness. It's not that, but let me hit on a couple areas that, that might be just right where you're at. Okay, you might think I'm walking in darkness here. I, I just can't. I can't understand where to go, and, and I'm supposed to be following the Lord. Uh, relationships, okay? Freshman, if you're wondering, I just, man, I don't know if it's this girl or this girl that I should be marrying in the future, and, uh, man, I just, I, I feel so in the dark. But maybe you're not where the flashlight is. Maybe you're not where you should be. Maybe, maybe God doesn't have that for you, and you're way off over here trying, in the poison ivy trying to figure out, man, where, where is the path? <laughs> and Jesus' flashlight is where it's always been. And Jesus is saying, hey, you don't need to worry about that right now. Even upperclassmen, hey, if you're having a, if you're having a hard time figuring everything out, I'm telling you, when Jesus wants to make it clear, it's going to be in the light of the flashlight. It's going to be right there, and you're not going to miss it. I'm telling you, for my own life, when I was trying to figure it all out, and I was laying out, I had my plan all laid out for the Lord, and I was waiting for him to stamp his stamp of approval on it, I'm telling you, I was walking in darkness. But I'm telling you, when you're following the flashlight, and you get to where Jesus is, and he will make it clear as, as, as much as it is your calling, as much as you know you're, that you're saved this morning, he will make that sort of a thing clear. Maybe for those of you that are graduating, how many graduates do I have in here? Those that are graduating this, this year, some of you that have already graduated, okay? Some of you young ladies, uh, men that have already graduated, you're wondering, what is that next step in life? As I step out of BCM, as I graduate this year, and I'm coming out of BCM, Lord, what is that next step? I'm worried. It's March. May's right around the corner. What is that next step of life going to look like? And I'm telling you, stay where the flashlight is. Stay where the flashlight is. Be all in on what God wants you to be in right now. Because I'm telling you, if you start focusing on that next step, that's something that's that not where God is shining right now, you're going to miss what God has for you right here. 
You're going to miss all that God is trying to do in your life right now. Freshman, if you're worrying about what your life is going to look like four years from now, focus where God has you right now. Be all in. Be all in on where the flashlight is. Now, I know for some of you, that might seem super oversimplistic. But I'm telling you, that's who your father is. Your father wants to show you his love by showing you where his light is so that you can walk in light. Now, there's a second part to this promise that sometimes gets overlooked simply because we don't understand it. Again, he's talking to would-be disciples, would-be Christians. Look back at verse 12 with me. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. But shall have the light of life. And point number three this morning, having the light of the world in everyday life. It's a fairly common problem for people to theorize the Christian life and their Christian walk. They take the statements and the situations of Scripture and they lift it up to this lofty manner. And they think of them only applying to the big situations or the big problems. And so when, when you think about those things in Scripture, they have very little value to everyday life. We do this when we think about Bible characters. On Wednesday nights, tonight, I'm getting ready to, to preach uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. So I'm preaching through First and Second Samuel and getting ready to enter into the life of David. And when we think of David, we think of David and Goliath. Okay, so we think of those big moments of life. We think of Noah and the ark. Okay, so we, we think of that. And when the thought comes of just... We, we think of them in, in those big moments of their life. We don't think about them in the ordinary and mundane things. And so it's very hard sometimes for us to understand that God and what he did in their life can also apply to my everyday life. The thought of Noah hitting his thumb with a hammer. Okay? The, think, uh, the, th- the thought of David uh, losing his keys somewhere in the kingdom. Those ordinary and mundane things that happen to you all the time. Okay, uh, the think of how the brass group played the God of Abraham praise. Think about Abraham as he's on his way to Egypt or wherever he's going, and he's thinking, he stops and, and starts to purchase something, and he thinks, am I getting overcharged for this bag of flour? Okay, those things that you think about, I mean, you find yourself in those occurrences all the time. Am I getting overcharged for this gallon of gas? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Take that off the record. I don't want a bomb like coming down and hitting my house. All right? But it's hard for us. It's hard for us to think of the, those Bible characters in those kind of situations. It never occurs to us that the Bible characters uh, went through things that were ordinary and mundane, that those were only certain experiences in their life. I'm going to tell you this morning, if your relationship, your relationship with the Lord, if it's only relevant for the great and mighty events of life, then quite frankly, your relationship with the Lord isn't worth very much. It's not worth very much. Because let's be honest, most of us will only experience one or two of one of those monumental things or traumatic things 
maybe one or two of those in our lifetime, if ever, if ever, and if our relationship with God is only good for that, what good is it? The bulk of our existence falls into everyday events that we call life, and that's okay. Because the Christian life is not just something that's lived in theory. It's not just good for the big events of life that only happen ever so often. It's for life. It's for common life. It's for everyday life. The light of Jesus that that he says that, that, that we will have, he says we have it, but we have the light of life. The light for everyday life. So why is it that you and I don't see the light of life, the light of everyday life. Why is it that you're not seeing God's light, those miracles happen in everyday life? Uh, we heard in the, during the conference there, I believe it was Dr. Jim, who talked about we should be seeing miracles on an everyday basis, not just big miracles, but small miracles in our lives. And you as a college student can often, I know I did, walk away from that message and say, man, I'm I'm not experiencing that. I don't know what he's talking about. I I have no clue, and you can walk out super discouraged and honestly kind of walk away, still saying, you know, I want to follow the Lord, but not really getting everything that God has for you, not really experiencing the light of life. In any given week, I'm just going to take my life and your life for a moment and just uh, kind of compare them, not, not, in a, not in a bad way, but just not because our lives are, are the same, but because we have similar circumstances that happen in our lives. So in any given week, you have events, you have situations, you have decisions that need to be made, you have opportunities and obligations. And when the light of God shines, and his will for me is to realize I don't know the way, Realize that he does know the way, and to simply trust, oftentimes, me, I'm just telling you what I normally do, I normally do this. In those situations, those, those things of life, and my flesh wants to do this, and to reveal that ass, and, and, and to somehow superhero my way through it. And in, in that moment, I lose out on those miracles. It's in that moment I stop understanding what preachers like Dr. Jim are talking about because I'm so used to doing this. And so we, we say, well, I'm, my life is good for those monumental experiences. I know God, I know I need God for this Greek test or for this uh, uh, program performance that I'm going to be, or this recital that I'm in. Those are big things. Those are traumatic experiences. <laughs> Hopefully not, <laughs> Okay. Those are, those are things that I know I need God for, but this little quiz, this little thing that's happening in my life, washing the dishes, helping this person with their homework, I could do this. And we miss out on seeing the miracle. We miss out on seeing the miracles that God has for us. We don't experience the light of life. I find myself wanting to be a superhero in a, in a situation or circumstance. I find myself trying to make things easier when God meant for them to be hard and, and walk me through it. And I miss, that, I, I miss out on, on God leading me. 
as a child and getting to lead me through something hard. I'll just give you a, 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 a right now example. Uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday, is going to be the first time that our congregation is going to meet together for corporate prayer and fasting. And so Sunday after the preaching, we're going to take some time and we're going to, we're going to lay out the burden for the reservation and honestly, I believe we've failed in this, but the Lord is leading us. And as he's leading us, he's leading us to be praying together, not only individually, but, uh, but corporately. And we're going to take the afternoon, as long as God leads, to corporately pray, pray and fast. And as, uh, as a pastor, I can, I can start thinking through, like, okay, well, we got parents with kids. And, and like, how is this all going to work? The kids got to get fed at some point and, and try to make things easier and try to make things easier for the family and connect all the dots, and you can easily miss the miracle that God wants to do. Because I'm trying to make things easier. God meant for it to be hard. God meant for it to be something difficult that we do, and and he states it clearly in Scripture, this kind goeth not forth but by prayer and fasting. This is a need in your life if you're going to see the miracles that you want to see and it's not meant for us to try to make easy. It's meant for it to be hard and for God to walk us through it. And for God to take the load on his shoulders and him to walk us through it. So why don't we, why don't we see that? Is it because you're too busy doing this? Is it because you're too busy trying to be the superhero of that situation? Is it because you come to those situations and you're too busy doing this? And I have found, as I come to the Lord and say, I need you, I can no longer do this. I can no, if I want to see the miracles, if I want to see the everyday miracles in my life, like Jesus wants me to, and he wants me to walk close to him, I can no longer do this. I have to do this. And I have to allow him to take me by the hand to walk me through everyday life. And I have found that this is far better. God's light in everyday life, it's a simple truth that you already know. But is it a truth that you right now need to experience? Stop doing this and start doing this.